like to I'd like to actually create some space, which is sort of why Dej um, had done during worship, to to be able to pray and minister. So already, if you're feeling like God has given you something to share, um, this is the next few minutes is going to be your courage to build it up, to get up out of your seat and to share it. Um, so consider that your warning slash encouragement. Um, but I really feel like um, the Holy Spirit is present here this morning to be able to minister. And a couple of things that I felt like he was wanting to do was um, I was sort of this week, um, I was out in the garden at one point or another, and I was kind of thinking about um, the the news and and kind of the majorness of, of the news, and it just felt so overwhelming and kind of like what what do you what do you do in your garden in algae Bay about you know all of the stuff that you see and the, and the kind of terribly overwhelmingness of it and most of the time we kind of like maybe feel those feelings for a second or two and then kind of distract ourselves with something else um, just in order to get by but I felt like the Holy Spirit had said um, to me um, but I feel like it's for, for us in the room is an invitation to bring those things to him, that he is, he is present and, and wanting us to bring those overwhelming feelings. And I kind of was thinking about, oh, I wonder what, wonder what that kind of looks like. And it felt, it felt like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're all in the same, but um, we all have areas situations, relationships, um, uh, health issues that we journey with in our life or through our life that feel really overwhelming, that feel kind of like um, it's better to kind of almost not think about it because when we start thinking about it, it becomes completely um, sort of one of those things that's just really, really demotivating and, and overwhelming. And I felt like this morning there was an invitation of the Holy Spirit to bring those things to him. I think there are some parents in the room that when, when you're talking about overwhelming, you see a child comes to mind. And I, don't mean, I mean that in a, like, you just have no idea. Like, when, if you give yourself a moment to think about their future, it's completely overwhelming. And I feel like there are some people here that the Holy Spirit you know, and when I'm when I'm when we're when I'm finished here, and we actually start, what it is I think the Holy Spirit is wanting to do, is He's wanting to meet you in those places, and what you carry or what you feel like you can't carry, He wants to get alongside and carry with you. Scripture says that that Jesus said, "My yoke is easy." It doesn't mean life is easy. It means that the things that we carry in our life. Jesus' invitation is to come alongside, get right in alongside us. Like that picture of a yoke, those aren't, a, a yoke, those two animals that are yoked together are side by side. They are skin rubbing skin. That is sweat beating on sweat. That's what Jesus is wanting us to do this morning. There, there is an invitation for you to come alongside him and to rub together skin on skin, that he cares so much. The weight, the weight as, the, as of what you're carrying as a parent, he is wanting to come alongside because he is, he's the parent of humanity. He knows, he knows the pain. 
So, and then there was another couple of things. I felt like if there's someone here this morning who has had trouble with your kidneys, um, that I feel like God is, the Holy Spirit is here wanting to come and to touch your, your kidneys. And then we'll just carry on. But firstly, I wanted to, um, I wanted to say thank you very much to Niall. Niall, you did an absolutely amazing job um, last week. If you haven't had the opportunity to have a listen, please listen to it online. Um, it is really, really worthwhile. Niall did a, a great job on not an easy um, one another series. Although I did give you lots of opportunity to back out and go the easy road. But now being now, he picked the hard one and carried on with it and did a brilliant job. But I just wanted to also thank everyone who, who has been part of our One Another series. Um, we just, I just feel like it's been one of the, the best we've, we've ever done. And so really, really looking forward to, um, yeah, sort of building on that. Uh, Many of you probably won't know, but as a leadership team, we've been praying about the future and sort of what God is calling us into. And that the, um, the invitation of connection, that is connection with one another and connection with Jesus, we really feel like has been this sort of ever-increasing sort of invitation for us. And so it, it's going to be our goal for next year is is how do, we, how do we strengthen what it is to be a family together? And it's really been quite amazing. I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed because it didn't actually, I didn't realize at the time the, the, the conversations we've been having as a leadership team in Maharangi Vineyard um, actually echo a lot of the same conversations we've been having as a leadership team for the vineyard movement as a whole. And so last week, Angela and myself, um, Dej, Jacob, Anna, Anna Keegan, and I think that's everyone, um, was at the National Vineyard Conference, which is the first sort of one we've had um, since COVID and everything like that, full-on conference down in Christchurch. Um, and it was such a wonderful privilege as a, as a church to be around alongside the church family. So there was about 500 people at the La Vida Center in, in Christchurch. And they had people from the Vineyard family from all over the world, New Zealand, Australia, big team from Australia came over, um, the UK, the US. And really, it was just a wonderful opportunity to be able to stand with a shoulder to shoulder with, as I said, 500 plus people, being able to worship together, being able to pray for one another, being able to encourage one another. And the theme of that conference slash we're going to start, I think, call them family reunions is probably a better term for it. Um, but the theme for the family, of the family reunion this year is Fanongatanga, which is a tereo for being family. And, and it is sort of one of the, as I said before, it it's, has come about from as a, a leadership team of the movement a group of us being together, really praying and saying, God, what is it you're calling us as a movement? So you may or may not be aware that Vineyard, Maharangi Vineyard, is part of a bigger family, the Vineyard New Zealand family, but then Vineyard is all has a family of churches all around the world. And we really felt like this Fanongatanga was more than just a slogan for a, for a conference or a family reunion, but it was an invitation for us of what it is to be family as a church. 
And this morning, I wanted to share a little bit about what Fanongatanga means as Maharangi Vineyard or in the context of Maharangi Vineyard. That we are, um, you may or may not be aware, but this is the the very first, making us the very oldest of vineyard churches in New Zealand. So over 30 years ago, there was a group of people, um, not dissimilar to us, who've gathered in this very place um, to start what would become what would become the vineyard. And from that, over, over the last 30 years, from this place, um, there have been numerous churches planted. In one season, I think there was like five church plants that have come from this church in the space of a very short amount of time. You know, from this place, from this Fanongatanga, from being family, there have been people who have literally been sent out to the very ends of the earth to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to pronounce that the gospel, um, or to carry on Jesus' command to go into all the world, to care for the poor, to be near to and, and pray for and see healed the broken heart out. And throughout all of that year, those years, the 30 sort of plus years, any success we've had or, or equally any amount of um, our ability to endure hardship or to persevere through difficult times, whether it's seasons of social, social or economic or whether it's just the sort of the, the pressures of life, um, in none of our still being here, still being family, None of that came down to at any point in time, whether it's myself or Angela or anyone on the leadership team or, or in pe- previous past people who have led, who have given themselves to Maharingi Vineyard. None of our, us still being here today is down to the fact of immense um, intellectual intelligence. That's not why we're still here. Are you around? You know, we're not still here because, because there are people behind the scenes who have incredible business plans and have, have un- unbelievable four-year, five-year, 10-year, 20-year mapped out all the different sort of strategies and of, of what's going on. There aren't, there aren't incredible think tanks behind those blue double doors that work out what, what the election's going to come out and how we're going to be able to respond and react. That's not why we're, why we're still here. And nor is it we aren't still here because of a fluke or dumb luck. Although that might be the most like, no, no, it's not at all. But we are, we are still here. And, and please know that when I talk about a 30-year history, you're aware that that is just a blink in the eye of the history of the church as a whole. But, but, you know, we're still here, or Maharangi Vineyard is still here as part of the church because we are part of a family. Because we over and over and over again choose to be people of Phenongatanga, people of family, knowing that our family is far bigger and wider than we could ever imagine. You know, the New Testament uses a word, um, koinonia, which is, is a Greek word, which means fellowship. It's probably about as close as we can get to um, phenongatanga. 
um, which is that, that fellowship with one another, that being family. If you have a Bible, let's turn to Acts 2 together. Pretty, pretty standard um, Pretty standard scripture in, in when we talk about this idea or this invitation to be God's family. At the end of, of, of Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit has come and Peter stands up and does that incredible sort of um, talk on, on like w- what it's all about. And the Holy Spirit's there in power. And then in the sort of last part of chapter 2, picking up in 42. It says, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the koinonia, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to praying. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those who were in need. They worshipped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praised God and enjoyed the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship their fanangatanga, their family, all those who had been saved. You know, if we're honest, we kind of read that, and, and for many of us, it sort of feels like um, in the way that we live today, that feels like a bit of a fantasy. Who's going to be honest enough to say it feels like a bit of a nightmare? Come on, introverts. Yeah, there we go. A few little hands quickly, quickly down. It's not to cause attention to oneself. But if we read this and, and how we perceive it, I'd like it to point to a, fa- to a kind of reality that we live in a culture and a world that is so foreign from, from that Acts 2 example. The God of our world is self-sufficiency. And we worship at his feet regularly. I don't, mean, I don't mean that to be disrespectful. But we are so overwhelmed with, with autonomy. With, with being all that we need. Of being there for ourselves. Being self-reliant. Self-sufficient. It's who we, it's who we exalt as our heroes. Those who have been able to make something out of nothing, out of their own grit and determination. Even in our own movement, we have for for probably the last 30 years, one of the bylines of our vineyard movement is that we are a a group of of autonomous churches. I think it's probably still on our VCANS or Vineyard website. Um, but we are a group of autonomous churches who, who are um, t- held together relationally. Autonomy is not a biblical principle. We were never invited to be autonomous. We were invited into relationship. 
one of the one of the incredible and I'm not speaking out of turn from our movement it's a conversation we've had um, even even as sort of like our um y- you know sort of and and part of that autonomy was was in the time was sort of pushing against you know kind of a centralized head office sort of um top down kind of thing but what it's meant is over the last 30 years we have kind of become a movement of churches they're sort of like here's a church and there's a church and we get on well with one another but there is not the interconnectedness and family that we actually believe we're being invited into which and I'm, I'm sort of sharing this message for you to know that that really there's a bigger stir from the holy spirit for us as vineyard family to to start moving toward one another and interconnecting with one another. It's why I'm so encouraged by our youth and our young people going on that that youth camp together. You know, we can look at it at one level and say, "Oh, it's just a, it's a youth camp together." But no, I think it's so much more than that. It is our children and our young people leading the way for us because I believe we're being invited into a deeper interconnectedness as a movement. And we will be strengthened because of it. There's a wonderful, wonderful picture in nature that I wanted to share with you that we've kind of been been talking heaps about. How many people know what a kahikatea tree is? Yep. So it's a great way of of nature of being able to point to. So a kahikatea tree is is actually the tallest growing native tree. In New Zealand, we've got ones that are bigger and wider, and but but as far as height goes, kahikatea can grow 80 meters tall. That's 40 stories. A couple of people are impressed. You know, it only takes them a lifetime to do it, but hey, whatever. You know, but but the thing about kahikateas are they grow in groves. So a, an 80 meter tall kahikatea, a tree that has reached its full potential, will only have done so in a very tight grove of other kahikatea. And that's because their root systems are, are, are different from a lot of other species in that they are designed to intertwine and intermix with one another to provide mutual support. And in a, in a bush or a forest situation, they intertwine with other species and spread out their roots to be able to intertwine. And that in that intertwining, in that interconnectedness, is the only environment that they can reach their full potential. A couple of people get the significance of the analogy. that a kahikatea tree grown on its own in isolation will never reach its full potential. You and I, in our journey with Jesus, in isolation, will never reach the destiny and the purpose and the plans that God has for you. Maharangi Vineyard, functioning in isolation, will never achieve all that God has for it, will never be the blessing to its community that he intends us to be, will never have the missional outreach and focus that we were, that we were intended to have if we function in isolation. We were made to be interconnected with one another and with as a bigger movement. And then even as the church big C, 
I, I, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but I love that, that of all of the ministers in this area, we count one another friends. Like that's, that's actually, you know, a really big deal. Like if you knew anything, like that's actually a really, really big deal. I know it's a sad indictment, but we don't get on well sometimes. I meaning as like leaders as a whole, we get on well. And that's an incredible blessing to our community. I actually, like I said, I wanna I wanna um so that's the start of our kind of connection series which is going to go from now till we're connected with one another. I want to, um, yeah, so hurry up and connect because it's going to be a dripping tap. No. But I wanted to speak too to someone who might be sitting here thinking, I'm not a specific someone, I'm saying in general, um, that I'm fine. I'm I'm in my my pot, my growing area. I've got all that I need. Um, I'd love you to consider because the thing about the thing about the kahikatea and what creates its strength is you never quite know it until the storms really start blowing. You never quite know your limitations until life turns upside down. And, and the wind blows from a direction it's never blown before. Or situations or circumstances happen that you never ever in your worst nightmare thought would be. And it's in those moments that interconnectedness is the difference between making it. It's how we can weather those times and they won't be easy, but we'll still be standing at the end of it. And our standing won't just be a aren't we great story or aren't, aren't, aren't I great story. It won't be a story about myself or our self-sufficiency or our ability to carry on. It'll be, about our, it'll be a story about our ability to stand with one another. Our ability to love one another. Our ability to to care for those who need caring. Our ability to, to be generous to those who need it most. It's funny, I've had, I've had a couple of times over my last 15 years of, of leading where I've encountered people who are super, super, super um, really churned up about whether or not you take different portions of Scripture literally or not. Um, and how, how if you don't, it's seemingly the end of the world. And if you do, it's seemingly the end of the world in a totally different way. I've never once had anyone really railing against that scripture that I read in, the, in Acts 2 of whether or not we're to take it literally or not. My assumption is, Jenny knows the irony of it, but my assumption is we aren't, that, that, that scripture in Acts about people genuinely selling their possessions for the sake of those in need isn't theoretical. 
It isn't an analogy. If we're going to rant and rail about taking anything literal in Scripture, let's take that literal. That's an aside. You got that for free. Why don't we stand? So I feel 